My wife and I now look for ways that we can bring uh, fun in with our children. So we're indexing more fun on the weekends too, you know, by being critical of how we're spending um, our weekends together. Um, and so just, you know, even simple mindset shifts. Um, there's this great study out of UCLA here in the States that I often reference um, by uh, Cassie Holmes, where she simply has folks look at their weekend as a vacation, where oftentimes mm-hmm. a lot of us don't, right? We look at uh, our weekends as a way to catch up from our work week. And so just having that mindset, like, wow, you know, the weekend is really meant for renewal and I'm going to use it as such. Oftentimes you still get the same amount done, but you look back at your weekend, you know, with a lot more gratitude and a lot more joy because you had that mindset of, I'm going to look for fun moments, you know, in any given context. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have Mike Rucker, PhD. He is the author and uh, he's, he's also a PhD working on a book about the science of fun. And I think that's a very, very interesting topic and uh, something very important to focus on especially since we have this tendency to just focus on the things that we need to do, isn't it? Welcome, Mike. Uh, Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. So let us know a little bit more about you, about the work that you're doing. I think it's very interesting and I'm really happy to have you on. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. I think, um, so the backstory of, why I've been focusing on fun is we talk a lot about happiness, right? As this construct to sort of as a guidepost of where we want to go. And in 2016, I had a bunch of stuff happen in my life where I had, uh, you know, had all the tools of positive psychology at my disposal um, and ultimately still found myself in despair. My little brother unexpectedly passed away Um, I had been an Ironman athlete and um, during that period um, it was, they're not connected, but it was, you know, just bad timing found out that I had um, advanced osteoarthritis that just sort of surprised me um, and uh, wasn't going to be able to uh, ever run again in any sort of significant Mm -hmm. endurance race. Um, And then my wife got an opportunity Um, that moved us outside of California. So I had, you know, my network of friends and family um, within uh, our neighborhood. And ultimately, although it's still, uh, you know, it was a great decision for us, that trifecta of, of, you know, losing my brother, losing my ability to run and losing intimate access to family and friends sort of led to um, this inability to really, you know, have, happiness in my life. And so I found that interesting. At the same time, I just completed uh, a dissertation and that and completed my PhD work looking at burnout um, within physician groups. But, you know, as a part of that, really having a rich under academic understanding of burnout. Um, 
And I realized, you know, there's got to be something that I can do. And the reason I brought up the doctoral work is during the process of doing a dissertation, you have to do a lit review where basically you look at all of the existing research and facts mm-hmm. around a given area. Um, and so I went back and was like, okay, I'm unhappy um, and I want to be happy. Um, what can I do? And, you know, the wisdom that I had garnered just wasn't working. And, um, but what I did know is that I had the ability to at least go and have fun. And so I started searching that in, in the literature and realized that not a lot of people have looked at that approach, although it's extremely effective. And the reason that fun is a little bit, um, you know, a different tool than seeking out happiness is that it's in the moment, right? Where happiness, a lot of the times as we talk about it as an academic construct, um, is something that we set with intention. So therefore, you know, by the very definition of attention, intention rather, it's in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Fun is something that we can decide to do in the moment. So it's a very present. um, And it's also something that, uh, you know, even if you have, for whatever reason, the inability to be happy, um, most folks can at least have fun. Um, And you see a whole host of uh, ways that that can occur, especially when you start investigating it like I have. And it has huge benefit because um, one, you you know, we sort of index our time, right? And so I know that you focus a lot on gratitude. And certainly that's one of the powers of gratitude is that we can index what we're grateful for in our life through things like gratitude journaling. Um, When you take a proactive approach to fun, you can start to increase that index of joyful moments in your life. And so that's something that's often not talked about. And actually, you know, in the context of gratitude and happiness, when we focus on something like happiness, um, there is a gap, right? That our mindset is like, wow, okay. So happiness is out in in the distance perhaps. um, And there's this huge gap between me and happiness. And oftentimes if you don't have the right tools in your toolbox, that gap can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I'm not happy now. And I identify then as someone who's unhappy. Therefore, I'm living an unhappy life, right? Um, And so this is all subjective, but happiness is subjective by nature, right? And so what fun allows us to do when we're mindful of it and have a bias towards it is really take an action-oriented approach to our own, you know, joyful living. And so that's why I found it fairly interesting as a construct to study and then also, you know, want to get the message out about it because it is such a useful tool, especially for people that episodically find themselves in despair like I did a few years back. Definitely. I, I have the same belief and I, it relates for me with uh, experiences versus things Um, like having new experiences and fun experiences and meaningful experiences actually add a lot to our life many times more than all kinds of expensive things and um i think it's it's a great reminder to to think about fun because when when we get to be adults we tend to focus on our responsibilities on uh, doing certain chores that we need to do every day. And we forget about that part of ourselves that actually used to have fun and that actually needs this part as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, um, in doing research for the book, um, one of the things that I found astounding was I was going to different installations, you know, places uh, that are set up for people to have fun, right? And so um, in uh, the South here in the United States, um, there are a lot of uh, children's museums and science centers and things of that nature that have these areas for experiential learning. Um, and one of the things that sort of blew me away as I was observing both children and adults play in these areas is that children will run in, especially if there's you know a bunch of sensory toys and things of that nature, and just start immediately having fun because they don't need instruction or the context of the installation to be able to start immersing themselves in a joyful experience where adults are hamstrung. They go in there and unless someone gives them, you know, discrete instruction on how to use the space, they don't know what to do anymore. Um, and so we lose that ability unless we're mindful, um, you know, to enjoy ourselves, which is a shame because we know um, that that's, you know, having fun and, ha- you know, engrossed in experience that we find meaningful, meaningful has whole whole host of health benefits. Um, yet we've forgotten how to do it because the burdens of responsibility and, you know, all of the things, you know, trying to find meaning in our day to day, you know, it, it, it's a shame. And the thing is, it's not like, uh, you know, I'll have these types of conversations and there are things you need to be mindful of, right? Like certainly escapism and things of that nature, especially there are, uh, you know, like anything, you know, even fitness, right? People can go overboard and start harming themselves. Fun mm-hmm. is the same sort of tool, right? Like you can use fitness to increase your well-being, or you can use it as a form of escapism and all of a sudden, you know, you've worn out your body. Fun is the same way. You don't want to go out and gamble or, you know, um, do things that could be potentially exciting, but not. Uh, leading to increases in well-being, but you can have a busy life and still instill fun in it. So it's a false narrative to suggest that like, well, I have two kids, so fun is elusive now. It absolutely isn't if you prioritize it. And how can we integrate fun in our life? I have one one way in which uh, I am doing that is by traveling. And since it was very interesting that you mentioned um, having having to experience um so I, i've been to vienna and um in austria and mm-hmm. there was uh, a technology museum and you were there were so many fun things to do there even for us uh, i was there with my girlfriend and uh when when you were talking about uh about this part i was thinking how much joy and how much laughter uh, there was in in that museum compared to other museums that were very interesting, but they weren't really that fun. And uh, that that's so true. Like you, when I think about what I'm grateful for for that trip, I really do remember that part in which we we were engaged and we had fun in different ways. And I think that's that's so important so how do we integrate this if we are busy and we don't have much time yeah so one of the things that i suggest is doing an audit log of your week right 
So especially for folks that, you know, have more traditional work, our lives tend to become fairly habitual. And so that's a blessing and a curse, right? It's a curse, obviously, because, you know, routine things tend to have more drudgery associated with them. But the upside is they're often um, unforeseen pockets of opportunity to have fun. And so there are a whole host of heuristics, especially for adults with children, that make us believe that we can't prioritize fun in our lives. Um, but oftentimes it's just simple switches, right? Like, so you've, once you do this exercise and sort of you're mindful of, you know, these 168 hours in your week, you'll see, wait, on Saturday, I'm actually just mindlessly watching a television show that I don't really care about. So I could use that opportunity to do something fun. Um, and so you look for these pockets of opportunity. Another thing that's common with parents and uh, something that, you know, uh, is, is personal to myself is that weekdays aren't something that you, where you can prioritize at least one of them um, for yourself. And so my wife and I realized, wow, we're just letting Monday through Friday go. And with a couple of small tweaks, um, you know, one, finding someone that we trust to watch our kids, we can actually create a date night. Um, you know, where we're doing something fun um, and, uh, you know, prioritizing a little time for ourselves to give, our, you know, give it back. And in the context of that anecdote, right, that's only two hours out of 168. But you find, you know, especially as I'm working with people, that years have gone by where they haven't done something just because, again, as adults, um, because, you know, homeostasis is sort of a human condition, we'll get in these habitual routines. And unless we're looking at it critically, we don't look for these opportunities. But the good news is, once you get a taste of it, right? For instance, using my own example, where my wife and I were like, wow, these two hours is awesome. You can then build upon that because then you can make fun habitual and have this, what I tend to call a bias towards fun, where you know, it starts to build on yourself. Wow. Okay. Fun makes me feel better. Wow. Fun makes me, you know, a nicer person to be around. Therefore I'm, it's not just an N of one, you know, where I'm creating fun for myself, but everyone around me is having more fun. Wow. Let's look for more opportunities. Right. So like, for instance, in my own life, you know, my wife and I now look for ways that we can bring uh, fun in with our children so we're indexing more fun on the weekends too, you know, by being critical of how we're spending um, our weekends together. Um, and so just, you know, even simple mindset shifts. Um, there's this great study out of UCLA here in the States that I often reference um, by uh, Cassie Holmes, where she simply has folks look at their weekend as a vacation, where oftentimes mm -hmm. a lot of us don't, right? We look at uh, our weekends as a way to catch up from our work week. And so just having that mindset, like, wow, you know, the weekend is really meant for renewal and I'm going to use it as such. Oftentimes you still get the same amount done, but you look back at your weekend, you know, with a lot more gratitude and a lot more joy because you had that mindset of I'm going to look for fun moments, you know, in any given context. So those were a lot of suggestions and tools and tactics. I hope I didn't overwhelm you, but, um, you know, there's a whole host of things you can do. Um, you know, to look for these opportunities to have more fun in your week. Yeah, there are some great ideas. And I'm sure that our listeners were very interested in them and were very attentive to what they could apply in their life. And I'm just curious. I have a question uh, for you, yeah, if sure. you don't mind. Um, yeah. 
be in this context, because I think it's kind of a great add on to um, what you just asked me. Um, so one of the things that I do that I think, uh, you know, especially folks that um, really do uh, find gratitude a useful tool is in my own gratitude journaling, I also use it as an index to figure out what I find really fun. So you, your example is great, right? You um, are savoring that moment of Vienna and you understand that that was an opportunity that brought you a lot more joy than maybe some other ones. So do you ever look back at your gratitude journal as a useful tool um, to understand what is fun and joyful for you since it's such a subjective state um, and then use that as an opportunity to create more fun and joyful moments in your life? Definitely. I, I am doing something that's, that's very similar, especially when it comes to traveling. I like to, to write down things that were great about the trips that I've taken and I'm always optimizing, like I'm looking for things that I, well, it's not only about uh, gratitude and what was great, but also the things that didn't, weren't as great as we, as we expected them. And um, basically I'm, I'm get, getting better all the time at focusing more on, on the positives and um on those experiences that we really enjoy rather than uh, maybe experiences that other people might might like that just aren't for us you know yeah and the thing i like about that practice is that it makes you grateful for the things that aren't um as fun as you had hoped because then you can use them as lessons right where yeah. if you have the wrong mindset then they become um they make you smaller right they're detracting activities but if you use them as learning experiences you know you don't have to look at them with rose colored glasses where like oh everything in my life is great i mean you know obviously that's not um the case but uh you can look at them um with some gratitude because you either avoid them or they've taught you something about yourself so that's awesome yeah exactly it's really helpful and we got to be much happier and have much more beautiful experiences uh, when we started doing this because it's actually building on itself and we're, we're getting better at and better at, at different things, different details that have to do with traveling and having great experiences. Um, but I'm really curious if you want to share with us some, some ideas, maybe your experiences or um, things that are generally uh, fun, like what can we do to to have fun experiences and to um, have those kinds of memorable uh, memorable experiences that we feel grateful for? Yeah, I think what I found is looking for the ability to have a sense of wonder, right? So as I continue to study this construct, I think what defines finds fun is the ability to allow us to not have to assign meaning to that activity, right? So fun is very much a uh, um, relative of flow, but where flow requires some sense of mastery, um, you know, I think the difference is that fun allows us to be free. So what are environments where there isn't that burden of having to assign meaning or, you know, think about, um, you know, uh, basically the burdens of, um, 
anything that might get in the way. So where people seem to have the most fun are either, you know, where they're just simply surprised and immersed in this idea of wonder, or they're able to have this timeless sense of joyfulness with, you know, whatever activity they're engaging in, whether that be music, um, you know, whether that be a long walk, whether that be in the company of crowds. Um, So the challenge here is that we all, sort of look at fun in different ways, right? And so this, we're going to dwell into the academic here, but our emotions are really defined by two things, right? Valence and arousal. And so um, it depends on your preference of those two. And so if you're not familiar with those two academic constructs, valence is more cut and dry, right? You're either in a negative valence, so you're not feeling that great. You know, it can, you know, at the bottom of the spectrum, it can be deep depression, or high valence is you're feeling a lot of joy, you're energized almost to the point of um, you know, pure elation, right? I think at the highest state of valence would be something like nirvana. Then there's arousal, which is a, a kind of deeper construct and can be really interesting, right? So low arousal is um, you know, you're just sitting on the couch, you know, it's slumped over and watching a show. But you could still potentially be at the lower end a fun, you know, if you're really enjoy, you know, you're binge watching your fifth hour of Game of Thrones, if that's what you find fun, right, with a partner or whatever. To the uh, the opposite is like you're at an EDM concert and you're just out of your mind, right? You ha- feel that uh, convergence of energy with the entire crowd, um, and you're just bouncing up and down. Those two states right there could be absolutely not fun for a particular person, right? I know people yeah. that hate EDM and the idea of being wedged you know elbow to elbow with a bunch of strangers um is absolutely horrifying and not fun right where others you know the idea of laying on a couch um you know on a lazy sunday binge watching netflix would not be fun at all right so you really need to find what fun is for you similar to happiness it's very subjective but once you find it um then you identify what it is for me particularly because you asked me directly I am at the higher arousal state. So, you know, I love music. I love things where there's a a lot of energy. I love running around. I love playtime with my kids and roughhousing. Um, You know, my wife's the opposite. So actually, uh, we have a routine at night where I chase the kids around the house and she goes up and kind of leaves us alone because that's not fun for her. Um, So, you know, I kind of answered your question in a roundabout way, but I hope you found that helpful. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for me, and I, I can totally relate. Um, I I tend to need to move as well, and for me, having fun has a lot to do with physical movement, like uh, playing some sports, like basketball or soccer or something like this is fun for me. Um, also, dancing. Um, and just moving the body and also laughing like for me that's that's another part of fun like uh, meeting with friends and just talking about different things that are not practical in any way i tend to be very practical and um to the point and just laughing about different things is is also um something that for me is, is fun but i also um i also like fun I, for me it's fun also to 
to just lay so it it really depends on on my mood as well just to um watch some movies some comedies or something like that and uh enjoy it at the end of the day i think it's it's very it's very different from um even from day to day but for me usually it means moving the body one way or another and yeah it's it's really interesting that we are talking about fun today because we are actually going to a um Enrique Iglesias concert and it's going to be fun i hope <laughs> i'm sure it will be that's exciting i love music i'm actually going to go see the black keys next week you know i uh, talk the talk um and walk the walk so um i had uh, you know i think that's important too you talked about you know, your partner. Um, and I think, you know, another aspect of fun, sort of a continuation of your last question is, you know, making sure that there's a good balance, right? To your point, we do need to spin down sometimes. So um, I talked about this with Chip Connolly, who's, uh, you know, on the board of Burning Man. Um, there are a lot of folks that use music festivals and go to too many, right? Use it as a, a form of escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think it's important too to have time where, you know, if you're with a partner um, and I'm kind of getting off the rails, but I think it's important and you know, mm-hmm. that there's going to be um, appetites that are uh, where you want to go and do something by yourself um, uh, because, you know, your partner might be introverted again, you know, owed to my wife who uh, we have, you know, a lot of things where we share in fun and certainly want to do it together but rock concerts aren't her thing. So she's given me the liberty to do that myself. And I make sure I give her the space to have the fun that she needs just because it's so restorative. Um, so I apologize for the tangent there, but I just, no. I love music and, <laughs> um, and, and I thought it was a good opportunity to share that, uh, you know, a kind of continuation of your, your last question is that there, you know, too much uh, fun of one specific mode ultimately you know might make it not fun anymore so very variability is very important too when it comes to fun yeah i've I've seen that too like um in the in the beginning for instance when we found a, a good uh, cereal um we laughed a lot but afterwards it ten, had the tendency to to not be as funny or for us to laugh as much um but I think it's it's always great to to balance things out and um to to be very aware of what's what's actually still fun and if if it still makes sense to continue doing doing something that might have been fun at one point but it might not be yet and I think that's that's a very important part of um as finding different things to to be grateful for but I, I also wanted to ask you something about fun. And sometimes um, if we are very responsible, if we have families or uh, work responsibilities, we might feel um, bad about wanting to to choose fun. Like it's usually not a priority, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's important, especially, you know, know, some of the work that I do 
is with physicians or, you know, folks in the same, uh, what we call here in the States, the sandwich generation where, um, you know, folks, parents are living longer, right? So you have the duties of a child taking care of your elders and then also the duties of a parent having to take care of your children. So ultimately my suggestion there is um, to at least take some time off the table for yourself um, and not feel guilty about it. Uh, I think, you know, it's common wisdom, but wisdom that we often forget that if we're looking at ourselves as the person that needs to provide this type of care, if we're in some way damaged, then our ability to deliver that care is compromised. So ultimately, you can look at these restorative activities, which fun is certainly a part of that, um, as something that you have as a gift because it will allow you to better serve your children and and the folks that you're caring for. Um, so I don't, you know, again, it's easier said than done because oftentimes people hold that guilt um, and it's really hard for people to decouple. But I think once you get in that habitual habit and understand that it's got this multiplier effect that, you know, if you give yourself a little bit of time for renewal, you can go back into those situations and give a lot more of yourself. Um, you'll understand that it's sort of one plus one equals three. Um, and once you do that, then everyone wins, right? Um, because what you, you know, especially with physicians. So I know, you know, with the sandwich folks that I work with, um, uh, I don't have any empirical evidence, but with physicians, we absolutely know that if they don't take time off for themselves, they lose empathy and a lack of empathy with physicians correlates to way or, you know, has a I don't want to embellish, but it has a significant decrease in patient outcomes. So you, it, it's not just, you know, a nice to have, it's a necessity to make sure that you implement these times for renewal. Hmm. I love the perspective. I love the perspective. And I think it's, something to think about for um for myself and for our listeners too like we are actually going to be better professionals better parents or family members if we give ourselves the time to to have some fun and i don't even think it has to be like um a lot of time but it can be something really simple and my my belief at least maybe i'm just generalizing is that it's important to do something with your body like if you're just i don't know playing some something on your phone or on your computer i don't think it, that can get you to to experience too much fun maybe you have some research on this <laughs> yeah i think we do know Oh, um, it depends, right? And so I want to be careful here because I often get attacked because initially I came out hot, right? There's certainly a host of research to suggest um, that mindlessly consuming content has a negative effect. So when they look at brain scans, that type of activity tends to mirror depression. Um, you need to be careful there, right? Because also, you know, in my day job, I'm in health and wellness, it's a little bit misleading when they show brain scans of kids eating candy and then adults doing cocaine and saying it's the same thing, right? Just because dopamine lights up 
doesn't necessarily mean that eating chocolate should equate to doing cocaine, right? And so these similar studies are trying to be fanciful and show that, you know, sort of the low um, brain activity of um, depression um, looks the same as television watching. So with that disclaimer, it still does, right? We're not really engaging ourselves, And we do know that a certain healthy level of stress, meaning stress in the very academic context, right? Because fitness is stress, right? Uh, reading and learning, all of those are minor stressors and stressors lead, lead to growth, right? It's when we overdo stress that we lose our minds, you know, which leads back to the last question, right? Um, but if you're completely idle, you know, we're either growing or we're um, dying, right? Not to use fanciful language, but that's just the truth. That's part of any system, um, you know? And so uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There's a whole host of research to suggest that the more active we are, as long as we're not overdoing it, as long as we're not, you know, redlining our system, um, leads to better outcomes. So I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think there's a rich, um, you know, body of evidence to support that assertion. Awesome. Awesome. From from my experience, it, it really leads to all kinds of um, beautiful experiences. And the, the first one is actually getting out of your own head. Because when we are not doing physical things, we tend to be just in our head all the time. And uh, that doesn't lead to much fun. <laughs> and that circles back to what I was saying, right? It's sort of the heady concept for people to understand, but you're exactly right. When we're, when we're in our head, it's very hard to have fun. And so the things that bring us the most fun are the ability for, for us to, um, you know, it's some of the benefit of mindfulness, but in my experience, something that elicits more enjoyment, right? Because a lot of people, you know, I love a 10% happier's approach to this because it's okay to be a cynic about meditation. You know, folks for me, Uh, like myself that, you know, enjoy high arousal states, um, even though I like my mindfulness practice, I do find it a bit boring, right? I use it for different purposes than someone that might like, you know, lower arousal states and really do find it enjoyable. Where fun sort of has the same benefits, you know, where we're allowed to, to use your words, you know, sort of get out of our own head, um, but then just enjoy the moment because we're really enjoying it. Um, and I think that's where fun is so powerful. And part of the reason that I think fun is a more interesting construct than happiness, because happiness really makes us have to sit there and wonder why we're happy. We're fun, you know, because it isn't this intention, right? Yeah. Um, where fun allows us to not have to assign meaning to it. It's like, you know what, this is just fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love, I love the concept. And I think it's, It's very powerful and it's very natural to us as human beings. Like when we're children, we know how to have fun naturally. No, no one has to show us how to have fun, how to do things that make us laugh. We just do them. It's, it's natural. It's normal for us. And in time, we, we tend to forget about this part, but that doesn't mean that it's less important and, um, it doesn't have an effect on us if we continue to ignore it. That's right. I know it's a shame when you look at the amount of times, you know, speaking of sort of indexing behavior, 
or the amount of times a child lasts in a given day versus the amount of time an adult does. Um, you know, uh, I know a child lasts about 150 times a day. And by the time we're adults, it's a lot less than half of that. And ultimately, we understand there's a whole host of health benefits to laughter. Um, and it's a shame, right, that we lose that um, part of ourselves as we grow older, unless we're intentional about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So since we're nearing the end of our time together, um, let us know what are your top fun activities, like your top things that you're grateful for that made you really feel exhilarated and um, really feel alive and uh, actually, I don't know, make the concept of fun a a reality and something really close to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's, um, you know, getting into a challenge and really immersing myself into the journey rather than the outcome. Um, That's been one of the, you know, most eye-opening strategies. I learned that along the way, you know, I've been blogging at uh, michaelrucker.com for 11 years now. And so every quarter I interview a thought leader, um, a quarter being every three months. So I'm almost uh, up to a hundred folks now. And one of the commonalities of those interviews um, is the folks that seem to have the most fun are the people that really enjoy the process and are not, um, you know, so focused on the outcome, even though the outcome is important, you know, obviously um, it can often act as the carrot and, you know, we all need to sort of know where we're going or we're, you know, or our lives become mindless. Right. But um, if you can use that simply as a tool um, and really engross yourself in the journey, that's where I find that I, um, you know, am able to manifest the most joy in my life. And when I lose track of enjoying the journey and I'm more focused on the outcome is when I have the least amount of fun. Hmm. That's so interesting. There are so many things that um, are intertwined with gratitude, like the the feeling of awe, uh, enjoying the journey and feeling grateful for the journey and not waiting for the destination to feel grateful. I think it's, it's very interesting how these two concepts, um, have a lot to do with each other and um yeah i think it's it's something that we can all think about and integrate more in our life so i think that's why i was gonna say that's why i think gratitude is such a a great pairing to fun there's this uh, alexander pope quote that i really like it's uh for he lives twice who can uh at once employ the present well and even the past enjoy, right? And so as we have more fun and we pair that with a gratitude practice, um, and especially as we learn to savor, because savor is kind of a form of gratitude, right? Yeah. Um, that allows us to have this multiplying effect. Um, uh, and I think it really becomes a sort of upward spiral where you know a lot of despair comes from what we call a downward spiral. Um, if you couple gratitude with fun, you know, you create this upward spiral where life just gets better and better. I mean, you shared, you're doing exactly that, you know, with your anecdote about Vienna. So it's, it's really, really powerful stuff. 
Beautiful. I love this this closing thought, and I, I think it's so powerful. Like it's a really great pair to go on an upward spiral and and just enjoy life more to the fullest. And um, like like Brother David uh, said, that gratitude is the great fullness of life. So enjoy it, Mike. Thank you so much for for being here with us and. Let our audience know where they can find you, where can they get in touch with you? I appreciate that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so uh, my website's michaelrecker.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram under the wonder of fun and then on Twitter at perform better. Um, but uh, I like to point people towards my website because I have that quarterly newsletter that I discussed. Um, and then also if you, um, you know, are interested in this book that I have coming out next year, that's a great place to sign up for the newsletter um, where I, you know, will ultimately um, give more details about, about the book, the book's publishing. Um, so I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, Share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.